the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a continuation of this video series on the historical criticism of Islam. And uh, last time we talked about the problem of the sources, meaning the sources that allegedly support the existence of something called the standard Islamic narrative. Today we're going to continue with that uh, theme, which is the problem with sources. And we talk about the witnesses, and we want to see when did these witnesses live. With me here in studio to answer that question is our dear brother, Dr. J. Smith. Dr. J., welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for So what are we going to say about these witnesses for the sources or the early Islamic uh, narrative, technically speaking? Yeah, we're going to put it on a timeline. But before we do that, I want to look at a slide. I want to look at the slide of a map. So let's take a look at this map here. This is the area we're interested in. What am I talking about? Well, let's just look at Muhammad's empire. So there is Muhammad's empire, the brown area. That was the part of the, that is really what we want to talk about. We want to talk about that brown area. This is the Hijaz that's, that uh, is primarily in those two cities. You can see Me- Mecca and Medina there. That's where it all takes place. And his empire, by the time he died in 632, remember the, the caliphate st- comes, to, uh, comes into creation in 624. Two years after he moves Medina, he introduces the caliphate. So from 624 up until 632, the last eight years of his life, that brown area was conquered. But, but after he dies in 632, then you have Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and Ali, known as the Rashidun period. Uh, so 632 to 661, the next 30 years, is when you have these, what we call the four rightly guided caliphs. Abu Bakr, 632 to 634, Umar, 634 to 644, Uthman, 644 to 656, and then Ali, 656 to 661, when then Muawiyah comes over and he destroys and kills uh, Ali at the Battle of Sifin and then introduces the Umayyad Caliphates. But I'm not interested in, uh, really, I'm only interested in that period up to 661. So let's look at the map again. That's the Rashidun period that we're going to introduce as well. Now, after that, then comes the Umayyad period, and that is in purple there. See the purple there? That is when Mu'awiyah introduces the Umayyad period, which continues right up until the Abbasids take over around 750. So right, basically a 100 years period. That they, that. But we really want to look and, uh, at the brown area and the orange area. That's the area where everything happened. That's the area where 
all Islam began, where Muhammad lived, where the Quran was revealed, where Mecca existed, and the people called Muslims also lived and flourished. Okay? To do that, everything we know about that area, everything we know about this, if you look here, this brown and the orange area that we're looking at, if that takes everything that we want to zero in and on should have been written down almost immediately, right? You would think. And we've said that. This is the problem. We would want people who were there. We would want people who lived in that area. We would want in this area here. We would want people who actually knew Muhammad, saw what he did, saw heard what he said, to have written down so specifically because the standard Islamic narrative assumes that. You assumed it when you were growing up. I assumed it my whole time that I was studying Islam. But this is what we need to look at. So let's look at the next slide, because the next slide then shows us the problem. So let's start. This is a timeline, and this is what Muslims haven't done. This is what I wasn't shown, and we, you need to see this. Everybody needs to see this. So according to the standard Islamic narrative, and this is their story, this is what you've all, everybody's known, Muhammad was born in 570. He then, uh, uh, he's there in Mecca. He was born in Mecca. He starts receiving his revelation in 610. Uh, there in the Hira cave, according to standard Islamic narrative. This is not my story. This is the standard Islamic narrative story. This is the traditions. This is the historical account, according to Islam. And then in 621, he is uh, asked to get up on the and go on the back of the wing horse called the Burak to fly up from Mecca up to Jerusalem, uh, where he then ascends the seven heavens to receive the five prayers. Comes back down, that's known as the Miraj. And that happens in 621. In 622, then, he then uh, moves from Mecca Medina, known as the Hijra, and that's where he starts, really uh, introduces the, himself as the arbiter between man and God, introduces the, uh, the constitution of Medina, has that problem with the, the Jews, and destroys and eradicates all the Jews, uh, starts to eradicate all the Jews. And then in 630... Uh, he then comes and he conquers Mecca without firing a shot. He just takes over Mecca, and then he dies in 632. And so that is Muhammad's life. Now, I'm just giving you the bare bones. I'm just giving an overview because we just don't have time to unpack it more than that. But that's everything you've been told, right? That's, that is absolutely correct. Okay, so you've known this. This is nothing new. Everything you have, I've seen you have assumed is correct. And any Muslim, whether East or West, when they go and read the Islamic sources, these are the events and dates that will be mentioned to them. Okay. After him comes Abu Bakr, and he's from 632 to 634. He dies peacefully. Nothing much happens. There is an expansion of the borders under his. But really, it's Umar where much of the expansion takes place, where they start pushing out, going across North Africa, going across to the east, what is today Iraq and Iran, all the way up to Afghanistan. That's where the borders are really being pushed, and the, uh, the empire really takes shape. That happens in that 10-year period. He is killed, and, of course, Uthman then takes over. And so Uthman taking over, it is he uh, where that is responsible for the compilation of the Quran in 652. The Quran that we have in our hands today is his. He then is killed in 656, very violent area, uh, part-time of the world, and then Ali takes over. And Ali only lasts for about five years before he is killed at the Battle of Sifan. So this is the standard Islamic narrative. That's their story. Everything you've seen on this graph, on this timeline, you have been told were written down by people who knew him, who were there, who participated with him, who understood this or actually knew these caliphs or were written by those who were in the courts of these caliphs, right? That's what you've That's been right. told. That's, right. That's what I've been told. That's what I have assumed. Here's the problem. Let's look at this next graph. Islam was fully formed in Hijaz by 661, right? So 
How do we know all the above is correct and where did it come from? Well, let's go right to the next graph because this is the, the, what we have not been told. This is what I was not told until I was studying under Gerald Hotting. It was Gerald Hotting that actually introduces to me in 1994. Okay, let's go back to the graph, and here you see. So Muhammad is, uh, dies in 632, we're told. Uh, then uh, we are given his biography. Uh, everything we know about Muhammad, everything about what he did, where he went, what he said, all these things that we know about his life, we are told are written by this man, Ibn Hisak. You've been told that, I've been told that, that's the Sira. Mm -hmm. The problem is, nothing was written by Ibn Isak. We have nothing from him. Not a thing. No book, no manuscript, not even a fragment. We have everything from this guy here, Ibn Hisham. Mm -hmm. And this guy dies in 833. Ibn Isak dies in 765. So we're talking about roughly, what, 70 years later that we finally get his material. Now, Ibn Hisham does admit that he takes something of Ibn Ishaq and throws the rest away. So let's just get rid of Ibn Ishaq because he really doesn't really figure into this whole narrative. It's Ibn Hisham we should go to or Al-Wakidi. That's another name we should put up there because they are the two that write and compile the life of Muhammad. Right. One talked about his life in general. Al-Wakidi focused on his campaigns. His campaigns. campaigns. And these are yeah. military campaigns. Right. These are very violent, especially between 624 and 632, the last eight years of his life. But that's not all. In fact, most Muslims, when you talk about it, when you were a Muslim, to know what you were to do, you didn't really go to the Sira, you went to the Hadith, didn't you? I mean, usually, because okay. it's much easily accessible. Uh, believe it or not, not a whole lot of Muslims uh, go and invest the time to read all of the Sira of Ibn Hisham. But it's the Hadith to tell you how to walk, talk, eat, drink, sleep, everything you're to do. That's true. 24-7 is from the Hadith. So if you look up on the timeline there, I've got the Hadith in blue, okay? So when were they written down? Because they are much more comprehensive. They are more important for Muslims because that is how they're to live. They're to follow what Muhammad said. So who is the first one to write the Hadith down? Now well, we know of Bukhari. Okay, and you've always assumed Bukhari is, uh, was there with Muhammad to know what he said, right? Well, I mean, either there with Muhammad, or at least I assume that the people who reported to him somehow were connected to Muhammad or there's eyewitnesses, technically speaking. Okay, well, look at where Muhammad died. These are all death dates, by the way. Just so everybody knows, I always put the death date because that's how we do it in academia. You always put the day he died. Now, that means that he did not write everything on the day he died or the year he died, probably in the, the earliest uh, 20 years before he died. But the reason we put the death date because that would be the last revision. That would be the last... Uh, canon of his writings would have could not be after that it would have to be either 870 or previous 20 25 years before that let people look 240 years okay we're getting to that hold on you're, I'm you're jumping just trying the gun. to point people that, well, uh, hold to, on we're going to get to that this is well i'm just put the dates here down. with the data right good yeah. man good man yeah. it's not just al buhari we know we also have Sahih Muslim writes another hadith. We also have Al-Tirmidhi. We also have Ibn Majah. We also have Abu Dawud. And we have Al-Nasai. These are the six authoritative hadith. For the Sunnis. Yes. For the Sunnis. Not for the Shiites, for the Sunnis. Yeah. And remember, Sunnis make up 90%. So the majority of Muslims look at these dates, look at these individuals, look at this material. This is the hadith right here. Okay? So that is absolutely sacrosanct. But look at that. We're going to get to the dates now. I just want to put them up there in the timeline. There's still two more genres that we need to look at. One is the tafsir and the other is the tahrikh. We might want to do that in the next part. Okay. We'll do that in the next part yeah. because I just want to point them up there. That's Al-Tabri. All right? 
let's then come back and let's unpack what you were trying to get at, because that is highly important. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to say here uh, for everyone. I mean, Jay is not just putting dates just for the sake of showing you dates. If that's the case, I mean, we're back again to square one, which is we're agreeing with the standard Islamic narrative dates. No, we're putting the dates here to show you the gap, the gap, the lack of physical eyewitness that could be collaborated with these dates. And this is why it's problematic. This is why it's damaging. And as we continue in this series, you'll see also the lack of sources to back up these things, the lack of tangible evidence, manuscript evidence, and many other things that could collaborate, support the standard Islamic narrative. So that's why we're calling it the problem with the sources. Until next time, have a blessed day. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAInternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. Well, hello, everyone. I want to welcome you back to uh, another episode of this fascinating series concerning the historical criticism of Islam. And I hope everyone has been enjoying it. And we want to thank you, of course, for uh, many of your comments and interactions with us. Keep them coming. And we enjoy, of course, reading them and responding to them. And I know uh, Dr. J pays attention to all of the comments, literally, and he goes through them. And uh, sometimes, really, the shows that we end up doing or he end up doing uh, are based on some of the interactions that he's receiving from people, uh, recommendations, clarifications, uh, which is, you know, the, the, the way it should be, really. We want to make sure that it is utilized, meaning these videos, in a way uh, that is helpful to you and your ministries. At the end of the day, it doesn't do us any good to keep it just on our channels. We want you to be the expansion of these platforms. So we thank you, of course, in advance for doing all of that. Last time, we talked about the problem of sources when it comes to the Islamic sources, and specifically, specifically, at least the first 200 years of Islam, and maybe even, let's take it a little bit closer, the first 100 years of Islam. Today, we're going to continue with that, and we are going to pick it up from a slide that we finished with, which is a timeline slide. And with me here, of course, to unpack all of this is Dr. J. Smith. Dr. J., Welcome back. Thank Last you. time you showed uh, uh, some, uh, you know, a, a timeline slide related to the sources of the Islamic tradition. Yeah, let's look at that slide again. Let's right. go back to it. There you can see it here. This is the slide we're talking about. And we talked about the green. That's the 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 uh, which is the biography of Muhammad. We noticed that Ibn Hisham and Mulwakiri are the ones that write. They're the first to write anything down, and they mm -hmm. write his biography, what he did. But the most important genre are the blue. The blue would be the hadith. hadith. Yeah. And these are the ones who who tell you how to walk, talk, eat, drink, sleep. How every Muslim is to live is to follow these guys yeah. right here. And they are started with al-Buhari, Muslim, Tirmidhi, Majah, Daud, and An-Nasai. And the first two are a big deal because we call them Sahih, meaning the authentic. It's almost as good as the Quran, technically speaking. Without error. Exactly. Without error. That's what I've always been told. That's what you've always been told. And we assume, okay, if they're without error, that means they were there. They heard this. They were eyewitnesses to this. But look when they died, 870, 875, 884, 
887 899 950 that's the 9th and 10th century the same with ibn hisham al-wakili that's the 9th century muhammad yet was born or died in 632 that's his death date and we then ended with the tafsir al-tariq which is al-tabri and 923 10th century so let's just look up there and notice how many years well, right here we have 200 years span between the death of Muhammad. Notice the death of Muhammad and the death of Ibn Hisham. Why is that a problem? Well, it, it is a problem. Let's assume, let's assume for the sake of argument, Ibn Hisham lived to be 100 years old. He still started it, at least was born 100 years after the death of Muhammad. So he's not an eyewitness. That's a problem. Okay, that's a problem. And why, is it, why, why do you want an eyewitness? Well, you want an eyewitness because at least an eyewitness can collaborate what is written to support the events, to support the saying, to support many of the social and uh, uh, religious and other aspects of the life of Muhammad because he's the model, right? I mean, So if there's an accident on the streets outside, what do the police do? They put up a sign there and they put the day, they put the time, and then they say there's a phone number. They said, if any of you saw this accident, please call this number. Why? Because they've heard already the testimony of the, both the individuals who are in the accident. They want to see some outside eyewitness. They want to see corroborative evidence. They don't want you or me to come up and say, well, I heard from so-and-so, from so-and-so, from so that this is what happened. No, they want to actually see people who were actually there. And that's all we're asking, are we not? Exactly, exactly. But yeah. none of these are eyewitnesses. No. 200 years? I mean, it's it's a miracle if Ibn Hisham lived for 200 years. And even if he lived for 200 years, that's after the death of Muhammad. So until you saw these dates before, did you know that Ibn Hisham or al-Buhari were not eyewitnesses? You know, here's the thing about Islam, by the way, Jay. I mean, as a Muslim, first you don't look at these dates, and even if you see them, somehow you're blinded to even question them. And then you get into what we call the chain of narration, and you start believing in the fact that, oh, these are trustworthy men who reported all of these events. Explain that right there, the chain of narration. What are you talking about? Well, we're talking about somebody who heard from the prophet, right? And he reported it to someone else, and that someone else reported to someone else. It's almost like a couple of generations going through all the way until you get to the time of Bukhari, and he started to collect those. So this is called Isnad. That's right. And Isnad means oral tradition. So, so so-and-so who got it from so-and-so, who got it from so-and-so, who got it from so-and-so, who got it from the prophet. 200 years of these names of narration. And Yes, and the Isnad gives you the matn, which is the content of the hadith. That's why we see sometimes Bukhari will report the same thing three or four different ways. Contradict, especially Al-Tabari. He is well known for this. In fact, he takes all kinds of contradictory material, just slaps it up there, puts it out there, and lets you, the reader, decide which one is authentic. That's right, that's right. So the Isnat are chain of oral tradition. This is called oral tradition. Did any of those the names within the Isnat, did they write anything down? Well, it's oral. So they didn't write anything Everything down. Everything oral. And this is what happened uh, when, when people began to point this, you know, basically at least the first 400 years of Islam, they came up with a science called the science of men, al-rijal, meaning now you have to analyze the characters of these people. And if one of them is a liar, you know, you kind of like feel like the chain is broken now. You have a problem. You and I know what that means when it comes to Hafs, of course. So when, when it says one is lying, why is, and why is it people are attributed with lying? Because that doesn't fit the narrative that as we're going to see, the Abbasid narrative. Mm-hmm. But um, be, listen, before we finish with this timeline, I want to put up this character here, because this guy is pretty important, Abdul Malik. 
as we're going to find out as we're going to go through the series, Abdelmonikis really influential. Now, I'm not going to tell you why. I want you to tell me why is he influential. Well, Abdel Malik is influential for a number of reasons. I mean, already, I mean, he's the guy, for instance, who built the Dome of the Rock. Okay. I mean, he's the guy that has a lot of Islamic coins uh, okay. that were uh, basically implemented. Uh, he is the guy, in my view, uh, based on the data that we know today, that have really uh, collected a whole lot of things related to uh, the book, the man, and the place, technically speaking, or at least uh, spearheaded all of that. Not the in place. A, in a formal, uh, yeah, I mean, at least the man. Not the place. Yeah. And I'm also going to dispute that he was the one that had anything, that had coins that have to do with Islam. I'm going to dispute that even. But that's coming later. Because that has nothing to do with Islam. But the Shahada, of course, Islam. began to emerge at that time also. Okay, but the name Muhammad was introduced by him on the coins and on the Dome of the Rock and on the protocols. The word or the title Muhammad was introduced by him. Mm -hmm. And we do know that the reference to people called Muslims or Islam, some have attributed that to him. So he's pretty important. But look at, look at how much timeline is, uh, how many years between him and Im, uh, Ibn Hisham. We have 141 years. <laughs> so even that is huge, right? Of course. Uh, but he is not that important to me. It's these people that are important to me. Why are these people? Why do you think? Now, you don't know what I'm going to say, but I'd like to think what, see what you're Certainly. going to say. I mean, really, if, if for any person who studied the history of these caliphate, you'll notice that the Abbasides were a big deal when it came to formally, basically developing collections like Hadith, for instance, um, the Tafsir. Uh, you have many other things that uh, began to be very important for them. Uh, in other words, they wanted sources to back up decisions to back up traditions to back up many things but like you stated it earlier uh, they were skeptic about things that contradicted what they wanted okay i'm going to go one step further i'm going to say now at the very beginning we're just beginning this whole series i'm going to say everything we know about islam today is because of them like I said, they formalized the process. Oh, they created the process. I don't even say formalized. Abdul Malik did not create Islam. What I mean by formalized, they took what's there and they began to embellish it, develop it, and now gave you sources to look at. I'm going to say that the Muhammad that we know today is an Abbasid Muhammad. The Quran that we know today is an Abbasid Quran. The, the city of Mecca that we know today is an Abbasid Mecca. The people called Muslims that we know today is an Abbasid Muslims. And Islam as we know today, the five things that we've been looking for right. from the 7th century are all because of the Abbasids. Can you mention why? Uh, I mean, I know why you said that the Quran we have today is an Abbasid Quran. If you can elaborate a Just little Just look more. at this timeline here. But why? Bring There's back a the specific timeline. person. I'm showing you know. it. Yeah. Everything specific. we know about Islam comes from these individuals, right? Notice they all come after... 84 years is when they come after. That's why I took Ibn Ishaq down there, because Ibn Ishaq was not good enough. They had to get rid of him. And 70 years later, the narrative that we know today all begin in 833. That's 84 years after they came into power. It took them 84 years to start to craft, to create, and to make and to give us the narrative that we use today. That's hugely significant. That's why all of you, when, listen, Muslims and those of you who are going to be talking to Muslims, you need to look at this graph. And why they are called, by the way, they are the one that we heard the term the golden age. Right there. Listen, 
we're going to see so many things. The five prayers that we know about, they're not five prayers in the Quran. They're only oh, absolutely three. absolutely not. Those I challenge come, any Muslim to show us five prayers in the Quran. They come from Al-Buhari. The stories about Muhammad, all the stories about his wives, all the stories about the, these raids, everything we know about Muhammad living in Medina and Mecca, everything we know about Islam comes from these individuals. And you're going to talk about it, I know, but Abbasides, by the way, named after, allegedly, the uncle of Muhammad, Abbas, and there is a tie to the Shia Islam. And, and these it's... characters come from modern-day Iran. Oh, hold on, you're jumping the gun again. Well, I, wanted just like people, to jump the gun. I wanted people to see that there is an agenda when it comes to the Abbasides. So we need to stop here, and what we're going to do next, I'm going to look at this, but I'm going to ask another question in the next episode. Do we not have the same problem in Christianity? Well, I mean, it's a fair question, of course. I mean, uh, I used to ask it when I was a Muslim, and uh, we need to, uh, you know, assume someone is asking us the same thing right now, and it's a fair question that has to be addressed. So, I'm going to show just how great Christianity is historically, looking amen. at another timeline, amen. just like this, and ask the same question. Absolutely. As always, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Uh, hopefully, you are enjoying uh, this series. You can see why uh, this is uh, interactive. Uh, we yell at each other, but we're doing it because we are excited about the topic and we love one another and we hope that you too uh, will use this material really to open the door for these kind of discussions with your Muslim friends. I mean, remember, in the past, our Muslim friends will always tell us, your Bible is corrupt. And, and, and Jesus never said this. And, and, and you cannot prove that he existed at this time. Or look at this uh, uh, you know, manuscript evidence that uh, does not back up your dates. Okay, well, I have to say this. Those days are over. And we'll show you why next time. Have a blessed day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.